the opposite of fear, the antidote to fear, the medicine for fear, the cure for fear is faith. Mm -hmm. Faith, trust, surrender. And so this is a divine moment that is pushing humanity towards rediscovering faith, trust, reliance, and surrender. I am Sadia Tariq, and you're listening to Dhani, the podcast. Today we have Isan Alexander on the podcast. He is the creator of Soul of Islam Radio and the Spiritual Excellence, Personal Growth and Spiritual Development Program, which consists of key courses and resources to help members of the global community rediscover the power and the practicality of classical and traditional faith-based spirituality in the context of modern life and living. In this podcast, we talk about um, the concurrent themes of various faiths in this world. We also talk about uh, striking a balance, discerning the difference between logic, reasoning and ego, and finding out the true purpose of human existence. Um, sir, thank you. Thank you so much for being on Dhani. It's my pleasure, Sadia. Thank you for inviting me. Um, so you have um, an Islamic um, radio channel, and then you um, are also involved in um, um, conducting uh, online programs and uh, meditations um, for the faith. Um, can you can you help us understand how you um, came to the religion? Sure. Yeah. No problem. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, in the name of God Almighty, the most merciful, the most compassionate, the loving, the benevolent, the kind, the just. I really began to develop a passion and an interest in religion and in spirituality um, in college when I was at university. So this was the first time that I was out on my own, living uh, away from home. And as part of the humanities requirements for the university where I was studying, we were actually required to read the source texts, the original scriptures for the three major monotheistic religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. So this was the first time that I actually read the original material, concurrently, in fact, which I would highly recommend to anybody that is seeking clarity and guidance, understanding of religion, of faith, and of the history of religion. So we were required to read the Old Testament, which is the Torah, the Gospels of Jesus, and also the Quran concurrently. And as I began to read these texts for the first time, I was amazed, I was blown away at the incredible beauty and consistency of all of these source scriptures. See, I had met a lot of people that were religious in college and throughout my life. And you have this sense of apparent contradiction between these different faiths, between the practitioners of these different religions. But when I read the actual original source material, they were profoundly consistent. And mm. this lit a fire in me. I was amazed. I just fell in love instantly because everything seemed to fit together so perfectly, especially when you read these uh, concurrently together the Torah, the Gospels, and the Qur'an. And that really uh, lit a fire, and I just kind of fell in love with uh, faith, spirituality, religion, with purpose and with meaning. 
at the same time also, you can imagine young college students and the lifestyles that uh, most of them lead. I was looking around me and I was just seeing that this looks crazy. This is insane. Like there's such a lack of purpose in the way that most people are going and a lack of foresight. I could see that this was a tremendous loss of purpose and a loss of, I, I think, what I would call the true self and true identity and what I was seeing amongst my peers. You know, it was just living for the moment, partying, um, these kind of things. And I just, I couldn't really quite relate to that. So I, that even pushed me more into the study of faith and spirituality and really to discovering purpose. What is the purpose for our creation? Why are we here? Why am I here? What am I meant sure. to be doing? Yeah. So that's uh that's just an introduction to that, but I'll let you uh, jump in, Sadia. So, and how long was this, sir? If you don't mind my asking. How long ago, or how long did I begin studying? Uh, no, no, that's right. How long ago was this when you were in uh, when you? This was uh yeah, this was just over twenty years ago. So um, mm -hmm. mid nineties. Mm -hmm. Mid nineties. So, so what um, what were the concurrent themes in all um, these um, scriptures? Hmm. Some yeah, of the concurrent a... themes, perhaps, you could mention. Yeah, I would. Uh, I'd start with the the fundamental, primary concurrent theme that has been consistent throughout the history of Revelation and throughout God's message to humanity, and that is absolute faith, conviction, belief in the oneness of God. So the very first commandment in the books of Moses is that there is no gods, thou shalt have no God before me. Nothing mm -hmm. in the heavens, nothing in the earth, nothing in the form or shape of anything should be a God for you. I am a transcendent God. So that was the very first commandment. And then mm -hmm. Jesus, alayhi salam, peace and blessings be upon him, he echoes this when he's asked, Master, what is the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus says that you shall love God with all of your heart, with all of your might, with all of your soul, with everything. Love your Lord, love mm -hmm. your Creator. And if you actually read the Gospels, it's really profound. The actual words of Jesus, they're, they're so beautiful and they're so consistent with the history of Revelation. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, this is the fundamental mission and message of the Prophet Muhammad and of Islam to, again, call humanity back to the worship of the one God. So throughout faith, throughout religion, throughout all of the revelations, you have this consistent thread and theme of oneness. And in Islam, this is known as Tawheed, this principle of Correct. oneness. Right. Right. So, you know, over the years, going deeper and deeper into this idea, to this principle, to the understanding and the realization that the practice of faith and spirituality and of religion. I've come to realize what oneness is truly about, and this is the, the real theme of, I think, all faith paths and religions, if people understand it correctly, and it is love. Because oneness, to be one, is another way of saying to be in a state of love or to be in the reality of love. Love is mm. that which transcends borders. That's Love is that which transcends duality. Love is mm -hmm. that which heals the rift and separation that exists in this state of consciousness that we normally occupy, this state of disconnectedness, mm -hmm. this state of severance from one another and from our source, from the universe, 
It is this principle of oneness, this principle of love that is designed to bring a human being back to their original state, which is known as in Arabic or in Islam as fitra, this original state of perfection and excellence in which we are created, in which we are fundamentally in a state of connectedness and oneness with everything, with all that is, and with our source, our Lord and our Creator, in a state of oneness with ourselves. So that mm. belief, that principle of the oneness of God manifests into a state of consciousness, which is fundamentally based in oneness and in love. Mm. This is the divine love that the great poets wrote and spoke about, such as Rumi, right? This transcendent, pure, absolute, divine love. And that is the essence of faith. That is what Jesus, alayhi salam, Moses, alayhi salam, peace be upon them, Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi this is what they were seeking to guide human beings to, to what I would call the evolution of human consciousness, the development and the awakening of human potential to the realization of love, that this is the essence of creation, this is the fundamental substrate of reality, it's love, and that the greatest thing we can achieve is to attain to that experience of true, real, divine, absolute love. Mm. How profound, how beautifully uh, uh, put put forward. So in um, I, uh, I, I follow one of your um, social media handles and in one of your um, vlogs, uh, which, um, uh, which deeply um, uh, impacted me was, was where you were talking about uh, mental frameworks. Mm -hmm. And so just following the thread that you just left off in terms of oneness, in terms of being connected with ourselves, there is a mental framework that is built within us, or we build it up within us, depending on our own inner voice, uh, our own inner narrative, and oftentimes depending on um, the expectations of others, um, the expectation, external um, elements are there as well. Mm -hmm. So, so how do we? Uh, so how do you weave? How do you weave this in that entire mental framework situation? Yeah. So we have to recognize, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. We have to recognize that we're all burdened with problematic and dysfunctional mental frameworks. This is just part of the process of growing up. As I said, when we are created, we are created in a state of perfection, in a state of wholeness. But then the world comes in and begins to influence us and begins to educate us, begins to impress upon us and imprint upon us. And what it does is it takes us out of that state of wholeness, that state of peace, really, that state of uh, being Salim in Arabic, we become fragmented, we become disconnected, we become disjointed, we become, in a sense, broken internally, and we have conflicting parts within us, conflicting aspects of the ego that are triggered and manifest at different times. There's the you that's happy, there's the you that gets angry about a certain situation or certain experiences. You know, there's the you that's calm, there's the you that's frenetic and neurotic. We, we have all of these different broken parts of ourselves that get activated at different times that are dominant at different times. Mm. This is the state of the fractured self, the fractured ego. 
And sure, one can try to really work through and try to address all of these broken frameworks, these broken mental models, really these problematic paradigms that we have, and try to become aware of them and work with them and, and so on. But that's a very long, complicated process, and, and it can't lead to wholeness. Mm. We have to come back to love. Love is that which heals the human heart and heals the human mind. The mind is broken. So we have to come back to love, which is come back to oneness. Now, in this case, oneness with what? Oneness with yourself. Oneness with what is. Oneness with the manifestation of the will of God in this moment. And that's what it means to be uh, in Arabic, uh, in the Quran, to be what's referred to as a friend of God, a waliullah. Right? These are, this is the great attainment in Islam, to reach the state of walaya, which is a transcendent, state of consciousness, a transcendent level of development, really what is referred to in Islam as a saintly state of existence, to reach mm -hmm. to wilaya. Mm -hmm. And that means to be a friend of God. That mm -hmm. means to be so close to God that you're one with the will of God. Now, the will of God is manifesting in any given moment. It's continually manifesting right mm -hmm. now and every moment. Whether we like it, whether we don't, it's continually manifesting. The friend of God is he or she who is in a state of surrender, in a state of submission. And this is, of course, the meaning of Islam. It literally means to surrender. So the of friend of God is one who is friendly with what is manifesting in any given moment. They are not in a state of resistance to what is. Mm. All mm. of our suffering comes from resistance. Mm. All of our suffering mm. and pain comes from resisting what is, and it's futile. It's already manifest, and we are opposing it. So we're opposing the will of God. We're creating an adversarial relationship between us and what is, and that creates endless suffering for us as human beings. Mm -hmm. So interestingly enough, Allah Almighty says regarding these awliya of Allah, these friends of God, He says upon them there's no fear, nor do they grieve. They are mm -hmm. free from fear and from grief. Essentially, they're free from suffering. Fear is what we project into the future. Grief is a result of what we've experienced in the past and the story that we keep carrying the narrative about our lives, the story of me, that causes so much grief and suffering for us. The awliya of Allah, the friends of God, have transcended that. They are so fully and profoundly in each moment. This is why there's an old saying, the Sufi is the child of the moment. Su mm -hmm. Sufi al-Ibn mm -hmm. al-Waqt, the Sufi mm -hmm. is the child of the moment, means that the Sufi is present moment by moment. Right, The spiritual seeker, or the spiritual, uh, the developed spiritual human being. Mm. He's, con he's continually in the present moment. He's one with the present moment, not in a state of resistance to the present moment, but in a state of oneness with the present moment, in a state of love with the present moment. He's relaxed. He's surrendered. And so that creates healing. So I, I was just going to say that that makes possible a different level of consciousness, one in which we are no longer operating from the problematic mind and all of our problematic mental frameworks, we begin to have the ability to operate from a more present and a more still state of consciousness. And this is what is traditionally referred to as heart-based consciousness, mm. right? soul-based mm. consciousness, spirit-based mm. consciousness, which is quiet, it is calm, it is still. And to operate from that free 
of the clutter and the chaos, the confusion, the clouds of emotions and thoughts, the fears, the neurosis, all of the programming that we've acquired since childhood. It's like operating from a blank slate and responding mm -hmm. perfectly in the present moment to whatever is happening. And in a sense, in such a state of surrender that one is operating by divine will, that is the true purpose of a human being, to transcend the self to the point that we are becoming, to the point that we become vehicles, conduits for divine will, for divine light, for divine love. And so there's a beautiful narration or tradition that the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, peace be upon him, he narrates in which God is saying, and this is the highest level or grade of tradition, that is not the Qur'an, but it's called Hadith, Hadith Qudsi. The Prophet Wasallam says that, and I'll summarize it, Allah is saying, God is saying, the servant of mine will continue to get approach me with spirituality, with practices, with the things that I've required of him, in addition to even more. And until I enter a relationship of love with that servant, and when I am in a state of love with that servant of mine, I become the eyes with which he sees, the ears with which he hears, the tongue with which he speaks, and the hand with which he acts. So it's a beautiful and profound reference to this state of true surrender, true servanthood to God, where a human being is so selfless that then divine will operates through that man or woman. You, you spoke about the ego, you spoke about the broken ego. So how do we identify or discern whether this is the ego talking to mm -hmm. us yeah. or whether this is uh, the heart talking to us? That's a good question, Sadia. Yeah, so the first step is to actually call and still and quiet, relax, surrender the mind. Mm -hmm. The first step is to enter into a state of submission and surrender where the mind is still. Mm. And then you then it's very clear what is in the heart, what, what is in the soul, what is being revealed to you, I should say. Because there's no thinking about it, there's no thought. See, the mind thinks. Mm. It can never actually truly believe it it subscribes to beliefs but it cannot it cannot experience belief it can't experience certainty because the mind is the domain of conjecture of fear mm -hmm. peace tranquility serenity uh, true knowing is a function of the soul of the spirit of the heart so mind-based consciousness we are perpetually lost in thoughts and you can know Right when you, when you're trying to make a decision, and you lay down the pros and the cons, and you think, okay, these are the benefits of this action or course of action, these are the uh, potential consequences of that, and you try to rationalize your way, and even when you have all of the evidence, you're still not sure what to do. Hmm. You still feel ambivalent. Is this really the right decision? The heart doesn't operate like that. The soul doesn't operate like that. So that's the difference between thinking and knowing. The soul knows. Mm. The heart knows. Mm. It's a shift in consciousness that you operate from a connectedness to what is and to the divine will so that you know moment by moment where to step, where to go, what to do. There's no thinking involved. 
Now, this is why in Islam we are we have a practice which is designed to help us develop this ability, this capacity, and that is istikhara, which means seeking mm -hmm. divine guidance when you have to make a decision, when you've got to choose a course of action. Uh, briefly, the process is to, you know, perhaps pray two rakah, to pray two cycles of prayer, and then make a make a prayer to God, a supplication, essentially saying, "Oh my God, Oh my Lord." If this course of action is good for me, then lead me towards it and make it easy mm. for me. Mm. If it is bad for me and bad for everyone else involved, then turn my heart away from it and turn my steps away from it, meaning mm. close that door. Mm. So mm. you're operating from this place of surrender and non-attachment. Now, it's, it's a profound way to live, right. especially when you are emotionally invested. Let's say, for example, you're considering someone for marriage or you've met someone. Is this person right for me? It takes tremendous courage and faith to render it to divine will mm. and to not have the self invested in that decision. Mm. Right? So, this way of living requires non attachment, not sure, being emotionally invested to either mm. course of action. And when the self, when the ego is not invested, it's much more easy to hear or to feel divine will in any circumstance or in any situation, in any decision. Mm. So would that mean that it's if we are um, emotionally invested uh, in a relationship with a situation, with a place, with work, with professions, with mm -hmm. children, are we how do we kind of balance ourselves? Is it wrong we, what we're doing? Well, that's a good word, balance. And emotion imbalances us. Mm -hmm. It's pulling us in one direction or the other. Mm -hmm. So we have to accept and honor the fact that we have these emotions and these experiences. Resisting them, suppressing them is not the solution. Mm. They're, they're natural occurrences. But the proper way to deal with them is to transcend them. Right. To, of to become aware of them hmm. and surrender, and regardless of your emotions, to do what is right. Regardless of your emotions. Sure, right? sure. To take the right course of action, whether I'm afraid of it or not, whether I want to or not. Hmm. And that requires a level of transcendence of the self. Because where do our emotions even come from? They're just chemical. Uh, you know, chemical stimulus that are created as a result of experience. The way that we experience things in childhood led to mm -hmm. certain uh, perceptions in our field, and the mind interprets everything in one way or the other that results in specific emotions. It doesn't mean that those emotions are true. They're true for us, but it doesn't mean that that's the only possibility. You know, you take two different people, you give them the same experience, one will be traumatized by that experience and the other one will be completely unaffected by it mm -hmm. based on their background, based on their personal history. Mm -hmm. So we have emotions, but if they, our emotions govern and dictate and drive our lives, we are essentially being driven by an unconscious aspect of ourselves and really the animal aspect of ourselves. Mm. Right? This fearful, mm -hmm. survival-driven creature that's within us, that's unconscious, 
it's unintelligent. It just reacts to what it perceives as threat. And it's not a it's not a good way to move through life. In fact, it causes far more problems than than anything else. Mm. So uh, basically, we should be looking towards establishing, um, striving for the emotion of love. Because that would then lead us to oneness, right? I would say that the purpose of life is to learn how to love. Mm -hmm. Love is the purpose of our existence. Mm -hmm. It's the purpose mm -hmm. of faith. It's the purpose of religion. It's the purpose of all spiritual teaching, all the messengers mm -hmm. and prophets of God. This is what they were teaching, love. Right, the golden rule. Yeah. Jesus said, yeah. you know, the Prophet Muhammad said, said, your belief is not complete until you want for your brother what you want for yourself. Jesus Islam was re referring to, you know, do for others as you would have them do unto you. Mm. This is this, this this thread of love is the essence of religion, of faith. Love is the only reality there actually is. This entire universe exists through and by the power of love. Every atom, every molecule, every aspect of creation is created on a moment by moment and held in position through the power of love love is what is is what exists we have lost that generally speaking we have forgotten that we've covered love up with fear and so the process of the spiritual path is like peeling back the layers of an onion to get to its core to get to the root of your being all of the false layers of self and thinking and mind that we have accrued and developed over a lifetime we have to essentially become purified of that so the the real spiritual path is a path of taking away not of adding to ourselves love mm -hmm. is not something out there love is the essence of your being mm -hmm. it's the essence of your soul it's the light in your heart we just have to get back to it by removing by progressively cleansing ourselves or being cleansed of all that is other than that. And you'll notice this is what life does. Mm. Life is continually seeking to purify us of ourselves, of the false self, and get us back to that reality. So when challenges arise, when hardships, difficulties, conflict, problems, we always have a choice to surrender or to resist, to seek peace or to seek war. Mm. You know, this is in Islam. And Jesus said the same thing. He said, when you see your brother, say to him, peace. Mm. That was Jesus. Greet one another with a greeting of peace. In Islam, we say, assalamu alaikum. Peace mm. be unto you. Mm. This is the purpose of religion, seeking peace. Now, do we do that? You have people that say, assalamu alaikum, and in the next few words are attacking and insults. This happens. Human beings are human. We forget, and we've forgotten actually what religion is. It's to seek peace. So in every situation, do we take the path that leads to suffering or do we take the path that leads to peace? Do we take the path of resistance or the path of surrender? Mm -hmm. The path of conflict or the path of love? The path of separation or the path of oneness? We always have that choice. One leads to our evolution and to our awakening. The other leads us to increasing suffering, mm -hmm. perpetuating suffering. Mm -hmm. So coming to my last question, 
and relevant to uh, the situation that we are uh, right now with COVID-19, the seemingly threatening situation, the seemingly um, divisive situation, the seemingly fearful situation. Um, from a spiritual point of view, what do you think uh, this is trying to teach us? What message is this giving out to us? To come back to balance, to come back to center, to come back to ourselves, to come mm -hmm. back to our relationship with our Creator. Of course. And this is a divine moment in human history and a gift for humanity. Now there is suffering, there is tragedy, but really it's not tragedy because we believe that this life is temporary. We're all going to die anyway, mm. whether it happens now or tomorrow or next year or in 40 or 50 years, it's inevitable. And one lifetime is nothing upon the timeline of eternity. Mm. Right? So life, we're all, the Prophet ﷺ taught we're all travelers. We're all yeah. passing through this life. Mm -hmm. You're all going to die and don't be afraid of death. Mm. Rather, seek to live, be afraid of anything, be afraid of dying without having truly lived, without having used mm -hmm. your life for the purpose it was intended. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If anything we should fear is to have wasted our lives. Mm -hmm. So this bringing death into our consciousness collectively, culturally, globally, is a gift from God. Because for some reason, we live our lives as if we're never going to die. It's so strange. So true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every human being is running, never thinking that we are going to die. And mm -hmm. am I really making the most of, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Or am I really making the most of my life? Am I living on purpose? Am I maximizing my potential? Am I preparing for what comes after death? Mm -hmm. So the, the Prophet Muhammad he, he consistently said, remember death often. Always mm -hmm. remember death, because it will bring you back into balance. It'll put everything into perspective. And it is said, it has been said, that you don't truly know how to live until you face death. Mm. Only people who have faced death understand the value of life. Mm -hmm. There's a good book, Tuesdays with Maury, that I might recommend to your listeners, mm -hmm. uh, by Mitch Album. That's a good example of that. And you gain great lessons from a man on his deathbed. It's called Tuesdays with Maury. Um, so we have to face death in order to actually understand life to value sure. life, to truly spend yeah. our lives and live properly. Mm. And so what is the opposite of fear? Right now, there's this great fear about what's happening, that we, we begin to realize how actually vulnerable we are and how close death can be for any one of us at any point, mm. mighty or, or meek. And that creates yeah. fear. The opposite of fear, the antidote to fear, the medicine for fear, the cure for fear is faith. Faith, mm. and trust, surrender. And so this is a divine moment that is pushing humanity towards rediscovering faith, trust, reliance, and surrender, belief. Wonderful, wonderful. Sir, I can't thank you enough for this absolutely profound and reflective conversation. Uh, thank you. Thank you so very much. You're very welcome, Sadia. Thank you as well for having me on. It was my pleasure.
And listeners, uh, just before you go, before you switch off your devices, um, um, Sir Ehsan has um, a website which will be in the show notes and he has online programs. And one of his most um, popular program is uh, online uh, Islamic meditation. So um, have a look at the website. There's a lot of material there, a lot to be learned. Um, and thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.